afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Daily Roundup on this, a Monday, June 5th, 2023. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host, shall I? Do you know, folks, today is World Environment Day? My co-host will not be celebrating World Environment Day. Didn't we just have Earth Day in April? Didn't we just have Earth Hour in March? Don't we have Greta Thunberg 24-7? Her sentiment is, enough is enough. She is the she-devil with the sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Hey, happy Environment Day to you, Sheila. You know, I'm so excited they lifted the fire bans in Alberta, so I'm going to burn a bunch of garbage to celebrate <laughs> Environment Day. God, these people. Yeah, it's That's the thing. Like, this is the environmentalist version of Pride season, right? So yep. it's, you know, they get Environment Day, Earth Hour, um, what any number of these stupid little, like, reminder days, like World Ocean Day, whatever, where you're supposed to flagellate because you used a plastic straw. And then now it's, you know, whatever it is, World Environment Day. So they just like gobble up all these days so that it's constantly top of your mind that your SUV is killing the earth. Yeah, and I see um, uh, Prime Minister Blackface. He's, of course, <laughs> tweeting about it, melting glaciers and wildfires. Yeah, yeah, none of that has ever happened in the history of planet Earth, the multi-billion year history. Um, it, it is just amazing that whether it's a wildfire or a flood, that this is yet more evidence of climate change. It is not. You can't conflate weather with climate, but they always do when it's convenient. And Sheila, we've only had accurate, you know, weather records going back some less than 300 years. And, you know, when it comes to geological time, that's not even a blink of an eyelash. So the very premise that, uh, well, you know, 200 years ago, this was the temp big deal. It's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that's why most geologists are not environmentalist radicals is because they look at the soil samples and they can tell the CO2 concentrations. And, you know, like they can look and see like about the di biodiversity uh, that was occurring on the earth when concentrations of CO2 were greater. Um, but uh, this whole nonsense about the melting glaciers, uh, I, I don't care. They are remnants of something that ended 25,000 years ago. The last ice age lasted from 100,000 years ago to about 25,000 years ago. The glaciers are remnants of that much colder period that ended long before my comfortable SUV came along. And so if the glaciers melt, like I don't know why I'm supposed to care. What's going to happen if they do? I just, I really don't care. Maybe it's because I'm from Alberta and we have a spe special sort of disgust for snow uh, that lingers and lingers and lingers and never goes away. So I like, I, I just, I don't care about the glaciers. I, I just, I don't know why I'm supposed to care. I just don't. Yeah. I would suggest this as a counter why you should care, Sheila, is because Alberta is so energy rich and the likes of blackface uh, on down will use climate change to further shut down the, you know, the fossil fuel industry of Alberta uh, for political purposes, for virtue signaling, for wokeness. Mm. Uh, that's why I care about this nonsense. Uh, and I, I spent a couple of years in Alberta. I love it out where you are. Might be going out there. Uh, 
has an exit strategy. Alberta, Costa Rica. You know, I'm I'm making a list and checking it twice, Jill Gunreed. So uh, you're you're in the top ten. Let's let me tell you that. In any event, what are we ostensibly trying to do here? Well, you know, to be honest with you, I spent about half an hour before I came on air trying to get my lighting right, and I still look like an Oompa Loompa, or like I'm in sort of some sort of liver failure. I think it's a blue background throwing off my lighting, so I look really orange compared to David, but I'm not. I'm, no, I'm... you look great. However, again, and you know I love our super producers, Efren and Olivia, and I'm really a little peeved off because I have that Crip Keeper look, and I spent all weekend getting my fat ricotta cheese candy ass on my bicycle with blinding sun on my face. So Ooh, I thought, David, no. and, and Lady Menzoid says, you got a little color. Oh, yeah, not enough for these lights, evidently. I still look <laughs> like a ghost, right? And I, I'm, I know I'm going to get another text message over the course of the show, Sheila, stating how much do you charge to hound out a house? So, I don't oh, know. We still got to work on you. these lights. You know I love you guys. I love you, but come on, look at this. I'm scaring the kids. <laughs> I should tell you, I did get a message over the weekend from a very regular viewer saying, um, is there somebody you can hire to help you with the lights? Like, they were <laughs> like really nice about it. Um, they're like, I see that you've sort of resolved some of the audio issues that were happening in uh, Toronto HQ, but uh, is there somebody that you know, or is there somebody that I might be able to suggest? He works in the film industry, so I think you know who I'm talking about. And oh. he, uh, yeah, yeah. What uh, kind Adam. of film industry? Uh, no. It's Adam, <laughs> not Adam Sos, Adam regular viewer. And he's like, is there like, is there somebody, maybe I can suggest somebody. I'm like, ah, you're being passive aggressive and super nice. But yeah, we're working on it. <laughs> anyway, I should tell everybody what we're doing here. This is the Rebel News Daily Roundup. It's hosted by David and then a rotating cast of characters, uh, sort of ride co-pilot with him. We ride shotgun, as they say out here on the prairies. Today, it's me. And it's where we talk about the news of the day or, you know, anything else apparently that comes into our minds completely unscripted. Um, and it's, uh, I think, an antidote to some of the more boring uh, newscasts you see. And we try to be interactive. And what I mean by that is that we are streaming on YouTube, but YouTube is, of course, a censorship platform. So we have to be very careful about what we say and what we do over there. And they don't let you leave us what's called a super chat over there. However, there are some other ways that you can support the work that we do completely willingly. On Rumble, you can leave us something called a Rumble Rant. That's their paid chat. On Odyssey, it's called a Hyper Chat. And, or you could re, uh, leave us a message on Locals.com. That's uh, one of the other ways that you can support us. You can become a member of our Locals.com community where you'll find all of our paywalled content and some premium content there too. Um, but if you leave us a Rumble Rant or an Odyssey Hyper Chat, uh, give us a little bit of money to keep the lights on and uh, David or me or both of us, it'll be both of us for sure. We will do our best to address whatever it is that you want us to talk about on air. And I think Fan that's it. <clears throat> Fantastic, Sheila. And I guess the first thing we should talk about, and by the way, I'm going to give you props here. I'm going to read the tweet first, and then I'm going to show uh, the uh, folks at home how Sheila Gunn-Reed was Cassandra when it came to seeing the future. Um, but it's from Prime Minister Blackface, and it goes along these lines, quote, it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression is, you are worthy of love, you are deserving of respect, you are valued, 
And as a government, we'll continue to have your back this Pride season and all year long. Happy Pride, end quote. What I'm getting at, folks, is a few years ago, our beloved Sheila Gunn-Reed predicted that soon Pride Day, which became Pride Week, which became Pride Month, will become Pride Season, a.k.a. that piece of calendar real estate known as Summertime. And here we have it in official government pressers, um, Pride Season. And by the way, uh, I want to show what... So, so by the way, in the meantime, Sheila, please give yourself a Barry Horowitz pat on the back for being ahead of the curve, uh, unfortunately, in this case. And by the way, when I say summertime, it's more than that because we're three weeks away from summer. So it's kind of summertime plus the, f the first three weeks in June. Lovely. Now, here's a Government of Canada pride season. Uh, if we can just go up a bit. Now, this is a disgrace, and I'm telling you why it's a disgrace. You can have the rainbows, you can, and you got you got the pride progress thing going there with the uh, baby blue, pink, and white for the transgender people who were always part of the original rainbow people in the first place. And then you've got the brown and black uh, lines. That's for brown and black people. I don't know what race has to do with sexual orientation and gender identification. Oh, and by the way, Government of Canada, you screwed up. I don't see that yellow splotch with the purple circle for non-binary. How non-binary phobic can you get? But here's the thing, Sheila. You don't do that to the emblem, the, the flag, uh, you know, the maple leaf that's part of the flag of Canada. You don't give it a new paint job. That should remain sacred. But hey, what do I know? Anything goes, and if you have a differing op opinion, I guess you're transphobic or biphobic or homophobic or whatever. I'm really upset by that, Sheila. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's just, I'm so over all of it. It's, you know, like, give, give pride to, uh, give them the winter, you know? But no, they have to give them this part of the year where you're scantily clad in front of children. Uh, naked reason, sometimes, Sheila. Yes. And, you know, there's something so, like underlying anti-Christian in all of this. For example, the month of June, at least in the Catholic Church, is dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So it's a, it, it's kind of an important month for us, um, but it's been co-opted by anti-Christian nonsense, where if you are a Christian and if you hold a Christ, an Orthodox Christian worldview of gender and family and sexuality and sexual behavior or behavior and and um, standards by which you treat yourself, your body, and the people around you, you're suddenly a bigot. You're called a bigot uh, by these people. If, you're, if your Catholic school doesn't fly a pride flag, even though the pride flag itself is counter to Catholic teaching and the teaching of, for example, Archbishop Tom Collins in the Toronto area, he says the cross is the only inclusive symbol. It's the best inclusive symbol. Um, if, but if your church, your school doesn't fly the pride flag, the whatever it is, the pride progress flag. Now it keeps morphing and changing. Things get added to it all the time. It reminds me of Homer Simpson's webpage. Do you, do you remember that? <laughs> when, when he made his webpage and it was like dancing Jesus and, and clacking teeth. And that's what it reminds me of. They just keep adding stuff to it all the time. But if you don't fly the flag, then you're a bigot. Even though you're like me, you just don't care. 
Yeah, I'm sorry to my rainbow friends, but your flag is becoming the cloth version of the Pontiac Aztec, a horrible mishmash of lines and angles. I mean, what next? Uh, how about an illustration of, oh, I don't know, the kitchen sink uh, on the flag? Maybe that should be the all-inclusive uh, imagery. But, you know, that aside, Sheila, um, I am absolutely gobsmacked that this community needs a whole month, or as the case may be, a whole season of positive affirmation. When we look back at November, we give one day to the veterans, to those who made the ultimate sacrifice uh, to protect our country, our democracy. And that's good enough. In fact, I'm kind of amazed that Blackface himself even wears a poppy on November 11th as opposed to not wearing one, or, or the peacenik one, the white poppy. And I know what the reason is, Sheila. It's all that toxic masculinity. You yeah. know, this idea of men going to war, fighting, killing, getting killed. Ooh, a lot of toxic masculinity. You know what? Damn good thing we had toxic masculinity some 80 years ago, Sheila, because maybe, I don't know, we're speaking German today. Maybe the flag is the swastika over our dominion. So, um, you know, I, I'm when I'm looking at which group deserves an entire season of applause, it is the veterans. It is those who made the ultimate sacrifice not people that want to march naked down Church Street and, of course, no criminal charges because, you know, if it's gay or trans, it's good, and if it's good, it's gay or trans. That is the milieu that we live in today, Sheila. Yeah, and somewhere in the middle, the normal gay people are like, we just want to go to, go to the grocery right. store and yep. walk our dogs. Like, we don't, we don't want this. Yep. Uh, somewhere in the middle, they're just being uh, co-opted and their community, as they say, um, are being sort of used and weaponized against everybody else. And, you know, a lot of them say, like, not in my name, like the grandparents during COVID. They're like, don't lock up my grandkids in my name. A lot of the gay people are saying the same thing. Like, this is too much. We don't, don't make it seem like we want to dance naked in front of children. Um, and it seems to be that the far left are the ones that want to just encompass everybody into yep. this amorphous rainbow blob. And there are a lot of people who don't want to be involved in it whatsoever. And, and Sheila, one last point I want to make about this flag business. It is against flag etiquette when it comes to the Canadian flag to fly another flag on the same flagpole. You cannot do that. And I do see it being done. In some cases, I see that uh, Pride Progress flag actually above the Canadian flag. That's a double no-no. And then in other cases, as we chronicled last year, I'll drive by their headquarters uh, later this week, uh, Recipe, which is a huge food service company, uh, the likes of Swiss Chalet, St. Hubert, the Keg, Harvey's on down. Well, they just um, replaced the Canadian flag for an entire month and put up the, uh, the giant uh, rainbow flag. This is reprehensible. If you want to do this kind of stuff, at least have the decency, which some businesses have done, Sheila, to erect a second flagpole and fly it there. Because when you share it with the Canadian flag or replace the Canadian flag, uh, you are breaching big time flag flying etiquette. I just, 
It's just so pointless, so much pointless virtue signaling. Like mm. I, over the weekend, I was at the mall and, you know, I'm walking past the jewelry store. Not that I'm a jewelry wearer, as you can see, but, but um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll pop in and look at a G-Shock watch. You know, I kind of want one. I've been looking at one for a while, but I can't find exactly the right one. So I'm not willing to pull the shoot on it. And I'm like, I got to navigate all these stupid rainbow flags all over the place. I'm like, why is this at the jewelry store? I don't understand. It's just, it seems like it's a thing to do. And if you haven't put up the thing, then everybody's going to get mad at you. I really even think that many of these companies that are doing it, they don't actually care, but they're like the company beside me is doing it. So I, in the mall, so I better do it. Like uh, if you're the unfortunate tenant next door to the body shop, God help you. Because because if you don't do something, then um, just by virtue of being next door to the body shop, you're going to look like a bigot. So like, uh, I just, I'm I'm over it. And frankly, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. We've occupied 19 minutes of our time with this stuff. Let's quickly like barge through the next few things that are on the this topic and then get into some like actual news that people care yeah. about. And by the way, the, the one exclamation mark is the fact that the feds are providing $1.5 million for increased security at pride events across Canada. What's that to do to stop uh, someone having a contrary opinion, asking an impolite yeah. question, maybe telling one of the paraders, uh, could you cover up your genitals? That's kind of like, oh, I don't no. know, against the criminal code. Is that what the security is? Cause I don't see an uptick on actual real crimes against... Oh, I do. I do. But it, again, it's not in the way that you think. It is people who are objectors to this nonsense being out in public. Yes. Like half, half-naked half men helicoptering their wieners down a public street because it's pride season now, so you got to put up with it for 90 days. Uh, and you're just trying to mind your business with your kids. And if you say anything or you scowl at these people because of the vulgarity of it all, they're going to come over and attack you. Our Tamara Ugolini was bullied on a public street in her own hometown where she lives by a man twice her size dressed as, I believe, Cinderella, but I couldn't really tell, um, telling her to stop recording in in public. Yeah. A parade by virtue of it being a parade means that it's public and it's a spectacle and you want people to look at it. So she looked at it and this monstrosity bullied little tiny Tamara Ugolini, who I'm I'm not a big woman. I'm probably eight inches taller than her and I probably have 30 pounds on her. And this behemoth of blue chiffon came over and told her to stop recording because he didn't like the reason why she was recording. If you are out on the street, you have no uh, expectation of privacy, and it's a parade. People, You want people yeah. to look at you? They're going to look at you. Holy. Careful what you wish for, Cinderella, because you just might get it. Holy Frankenstein. Uh, I don't know, Sheila, did you say Cinderella or Cinderfella? Uh, there's a surprise yeah. package uh, waiting below that uh, blue chiffon. Um, and you're absolutely right. If you are in a public place, you have 0.0 expectation of privacy. Anyone is a- allowed to record. And by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if there's about 10 cameras on that individual, uh, security cameras, that is, uh, that are capturing uh, his image. Uh, it's just that he noticed 
uh, Tamara Ugolini filming, and Tamara Ugolini wasn't part of, oh, I don't know, the CBC, which is all down with the radical trans agenda. That's the object. Uh, that's why he's objecting to that, uh, Sheila. It's even worse. It's even worse because Tamara was guilty of wrong think in her own town. She yeah. was not wearing rebel merch as far as i know she wasn't uh she didn't have a rebel mic flash so that's the thing that goes on our mics that identifies us she was very smart she knew it would cause a problem so she went down there cell phone camera in hand just to see what's what what is invading my town so she went down there just to see what's going on somebody recognized tamara as being um a wrong thinker with rebel news went over tattled to the drag queen and then the drag queen came over and bullied her. Yep. And so that's the stuff that happens to conscientious objectors to yep. the pride army, because you don't want to get conscripted into the pride army. You get bullied. Um, that's what, but the increased security is for the pride people <clears throat> and not for the conscientious objectors. No. And as we proved last month, when we were leaked that transgender training for Toronto police, we have proof in the pudding, uh, Sheila, that trans rights, it's not about equal rights, it's about special rights. Case in point, if a so-called trans woman, that's a woman, no, sorry, a trans man, I get confused, forgive me, that's a woman pretending to be a man, if uh, she's put in a holding cell by Toronto police, um, she gets to keep her gender-affirming article, that would be a fancy name for dildo, which can be weaponized. And I don't know if you know this, folks, um, and I know this by personal experience, being a political prisoner in my own country. When you are put in a holding cell, you have to surrender your belt, your necktie, your shoelaces, anything that could be weaponized, anything you could use to, well, hang yourself. But no, with the trans people, the, uh, a weapon, a dildo, that's a gender-affirming article. We have to let it slide. So I'm in a way, Sheila, given what happened to Tamara on Saturday, I'm surprised somebody with uh, Coburg's finest didn't come over to her because I know the police chief there. He's this big six foot four guy with a beard. He puts he him pronouns in his bio because you know what? I think six foot four men with beards often get confused as she hers. Anyways, I'm surprised the cops didn't say, um, let's keep the peace. Put the camera down, will you? Yeah, this is the same police department that arrested Tamara Ugolini and put her in cells for walking on the beach during COVID. Oh, yeah. And so, I, and you know, I'm surprised that they didn't take her away in handcuffs for making a drag queen feel uncomfortable. And that was the most surreal element, I thought, of the whole COVID pandemic in this country. Coburg has a gorgeous beach. It's the home, I think, in August. It's to a, a resort sand... town. Pardon me? <laughs> like... It's a resort town. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. It would be like going to Banff, but they're saying stay off the mountains because of COVID. So what happened, Sheila, is that they put up a fence. It was like something at the demilitarized zone uh, dividing North and South Korea. And you couldn't go onto the beach, but there was a loophole. Uh, there, were this, there was this rocky area further down that's considered i think federal territory or federal waters because the coast guard is there so you could get into the water on the beach that has been faced fenced off it, far more treacherous mind you sheila here talk about uh, public safety because you could slip on those wet rocks and crack your head open anyways 
I was at a, an event where I went with the protesters <laughs> through through the back door entrance to get to the beach, and the cops and the security were patrolling the beach. And this is surely, to me, it was the most surreal element of the COVID-19 lockdowns in Canada. I'm walking along the beach. My, my feet are still in the water. There's a cop who is like a shadow to me. And I said, uh, is, is it okay? I'm not, I'm not breaking the law or anything. And he says, no, the, the benchmark we use, if I can see your ankles, if your ankles are out of the water, um, then uh, you're, you're going to be under arrest. But right now I can't see your ankles. So I made damn sure to keep my ankles submerged. <laughs> I didn't want to get arrested again. Welcome to being a Victorian-era woman <laughs> where exposing your ankles is legal. <laughs> um, one more thing that we should talk about before we get off this horrendous topic of um, <laughs> Pride season. Um, and I think it might be the actual worst. So Alexa Lavoie is reporting on the Love Me Gender exhibit. Oh. Um, at the Quebec City Museum of Civilization. I, I, I suppose it should be the Quebec City Museum of the Downfall of Civilization. Um, the Love Me Gender exhibit oh. um, with the man who disrobes as part of performance art in front of little children. And I, I've watched this more times than I care to have watched it because I had to make sure that it was safe and right and for publication and it's the little children in the front row who gasp and turn away. Little kids know it's like trying to explain abortion to little kids and it upsets them so much when they ask um, because it, the little kids have a good sense of right and wrong and what what's vulgar and what they should see and what they shouldn't see. And parents kept their kids there while this man was systematically disrobed in front of all of them. And uh, anyways, the point is her reporting on this has been picked up in uh, True North, which is no surprise. But in La Presse now, it's being talked about on um, French language radio shows. Um, and she was the first one there. And then this exhibit is there for anybody to see. But the mainstream media thought that there was nothing wrong with it yeah. until Alexa Lavoie showed you exactly what was wrong with it and then they could no longer ignore it and yet they call us not real journalists okay so sheila here's the real question based on alexa's report who do you have more utter contempt for the people at a taxpayer funded museum uh staging what is actually an act of indecency and pornography or the parents who willingly brought their children there, and even when the children reacted with revulsion, indicating to me that children have more sense than their parents, um, who do you have more contempt for? Because, and by the way, as a side note, where in blue hell is the Children's Aid Society when you really need them? Right. Well, you know, the, the groomers, the weirdos, um, the people who want to sexualize your minor children have access to your minor children. Yep. They don't have an obligation to protect your offspring. You do. Yep. There will always be wolves in the world. However, those wolves manifest themselves, it's always going to be different. It might be bullies at school. It might be people who tell them that they are 
stupid or incapable or not not worthy, whatever, or could be these weirdos, these sexualized groomer weirdos, exposing them to things that I don't think any normal person should probably want to be exposed to, but especially children. Um, those people are out there. They will always be out there. They are the barbarians at the walls. And it's your job to keep them on the other side yeah. as a parent. And you can't save your children from all the evils of the world, but you can do your best. And yeah. these parents weren't even doing the bare minimum. And I get it. You as a parent, a mother and father, for whatever reason, you're down with the radical transgender revolution. But you know what? Your kids might not be. So how about this? Wait till they're 18 to make a decision to go to a performance like that. That's why we've restricted movies. You can't get into pornography if you're under 18. You can't buy liquor, cigarettes, marijuana, get a driver's license, vote even. But somehow for a grotesque, sexualized show like that, you find that okay? Uh, that is despicable, Sheila. So you know what? We're at the half hour mark already. Holy mackerel. Let's yep. run our, our first ad. And before we go to that ad, I just want to say, folks, I never thought in my wildest dreams I would ever hear Sheila Gunn Reed say what you heard her say just about 12 minutes ago, which was, quote, helicoptering their wieners, end quote. Wow, <laughs> the world is surely changing. Anyways, let's throw to an act. <laughs> I am doing something today that I have never tried before. Listen up. I'm looking for collaborators in a new and exciting initiative. As you most likely know, YouTube a long time ago demonetized Rebel News and we are 100% viewer funded. Now, while our supporters are fantastic at helping us cover legal campaigns and special reporting missions. Unfortunately, the reality is our day-to-day -day operational expenses often exceed our income stream, which is crazy if you think about it because my videos across all platforms attract hundreds of thousands of views and sometimes even millions. So I wanna share that reach with the right partners. If you have a product or business and want to enter a win-win relationship with me, please go to rebelnews.com forward slash ads and fill in the form to let me know. I won't be accepting anyone. I need to believe in your business or product so I can sell it proudly for you. And for successful applicants, I will guarantee a minimum view count. Meaning, even if your ad is published on the less popular reports, we'll keep promoting your business or product until it gets the agreed minimum eyeball. So again, if you have a cool company or product that either wants to take advantage of my reach or want to support my work through advertising in a way that you can write it off as a tax deduction or both, head over to rebelnews.com forward slash ads and hopefully we can join forces soon. So Sheila, the next item, and it's in your neck of the woods, and I'm going to let you do the heavy lifting here because I know you have researched this far more than I have. And it's about, I mean, I can't believe I'm reading this. Dina Henshaw is back in Alberta or is she? I'm getting all kinds of mixed messages that this was a fabricated memo. Uh, oh no, uh, she is actually going to be coming back. Sheila, explain. Well, here's the thing. We don't really know. <laughs> what they're saying is she's not employed right now. Um, but 
it looks as though, and I didn't see it when it first was published. All I saw was a screenshot published by um, sort of a lefty, uh, what we call under the dome watcher website. So under the dome, that's the building behind me there. That's, I don't know, it's all backwards. But anyways, <laughs> they call that under the dome. And so the, these are people who, uh, they're journalists, I, I'll give them that who uh, sort of pay attention to the comings and goings in the legislature, whatever. So they saw that Dina Hinshaw had been rehired, or maybe somebody sent it to them that said that Dina Hinshaw had been rehired. And it was this um, memorandum. It's for the Indigenous Wellness Corps. And it, they say they're pleased to announce that Dr. Dina Hinshaw has selected as the Indigenous Wellness Corps Public Health and Preventative Medicine Lead. So this is the memorandum that was published on June 20, June 1st, 2023. Now it was published to Twitter. I never saw this from the AHS website, so I can't confirm or deny. What I do know is there's a very vague statement out there now from Alberta Health Services, and they say... AHS does not speak to personnel matters, but then they do speak to personnel matters in the very next sentence. Dr. Hinshaw is not employed by AHS. So that's Alberta Health Services. AHS is reviewing the position and remains firmly committed to working with Indigenous communities and working to improve health outcomes for all communities and populations. So that's June 3rd. So after that hit the, you know, <clears throat> social media and everybody got mad. But can we go back to that memorandum just for a second, please? Because I, I thought I saw, and I, I can't remember, um, when she starts. Okay, so this is the thing. If you go down to the very bottom, it says she will begin her new role June 5th, 2023. Today. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they rescinded their offer to her, but what I do know is technically then that statement from Alberta Health Services from June 3rd was true because she was not at that point employed by Alberta Health Services. Mm. So I think um, they maybe some of these public health deep state bureaucrats thought they could rehire their buddy Dina. The public noticed. And I think they rescinded this. But when they issued that statement on the 3rd, Technically, yes, she had not been working for Alberta Health Services at the time. So I think in that five-day leeway, a lot of things changed. I think they wow. hired her on paper. Her start date didn't happen. So they're like, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, back yeah. up the cart. And so I think that's what happened there. So and, technically, things were said that were true, but I think she was rehired. And this is what they call in our business journalism and in law folks weasel words yeah. but here's the big question for you Sheila Gunn-Reed where do you think say this is true where do you think Premier Daniel Smith weighs in on this oh I think she's probably the reason that the offer was rescinded because uh Dina Hinshaw was unceremoniously fired in a press release <laughs> right after the premier was uh selected um, as the leader of the United Conservative Party, it was one of the first things she did was turf out old Dina Hinshaw, who glided down on her golden parachute to a great job in BC. Um, so well, uh, I think the premier intervened here for sure, because um, 
It was one of the first things she did was get rid of Dina Hinshaw. Yeah. Well, uh, another thumbs up for Premier Smith then. And again, uh, as you mentioned, Sheila, an example of weasel words, uh, quote, AHS doesn't speak to personnel matters. Dr. Henshaw is not employed by AHS, <laughs> end quote. Well, you just spoke to personnel right. matters. I got the same rubbish from Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment when John Tory's mistress magically got a six-figure job uh, with their J John Tory, the disgraced ex-mayor of Toronto. Um, he's very well connected with the Rogers people who are co-owners of MLSE. And it was almost exactly the same. We do not comment on employment matters at MLSE. However, we can tell you uh, that Emily Hillstrom uh, received the job based on qualifications. Wait a minute. I thought you couldn't comment. Now you're commenting. I know. <laughs> you're having I know. it both and then ways. Well, and then they get you on a technicality. She's not currently employed with AHS. Why? Because this is one of the five days before her contract kicked in that we caught you on? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it goes back to Bill Clinton trying to explain the lie, I did not have sex with that woman, which was, well, you know... It, it depends. It depends on the meaning of <laughs> is, right? Depends what you mean by what is is or whatever he well, said. Too bad he's not the current president because the way he would answer that today, Sheila, is what's a woman? <laughs> oh, his dentures would just fall out. <laughs> Anyway, uh, well, lo and behold, I see we have a piece up on our website. Sheila, talk about something that might be for the year 2022 the most overlooked, underreported story yeah. in Canada. And I speak of a Manitoba man who has now who's now pleading guilty in a hit and run on COVID-19 protesters a.k.a. freedom fighters. Here's the thing, folks, why I say overlooked, underrated. If that man was wearing a MAGA cap and this was, say, a Black Lives Matter demonstration, oh, it's still probably on the front page today. You know, toxic masculinity, white supremacy, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, but because he's on uh, Team Pfizer, I guess, I guess, and the yep. freedom fighters are really fascist because, you know, they fly that fascist symbol known as a... Um, a maple leaf flag on a hockey stick. Yeah, well, you know, we got to give this guy some slack. This is mind-numbing to me, Sheila, and I can't believe it's taken this long to get to where we are right now. Yeah, it, this story is quite horrendous, and I think it's the hand of God that it wasn't uh, far, far worse. He drove his, I think it was a crappy Jeep Patriot or something like that. Yeah, not into... the real Jeep. <laughs> No, uh, wasn't, you know, like it, it wasn't great. Um, I, I saw pictures of it after the fact and I'm like, oh, it looks like it looks like it's hit a few things in its day. But anyways, he drove his uh, Jeep into a crowd of 100 people and he was seen by witnesses who didn't know each other accelerating into the crowd. The crowd was a convoy demonstration. He, they there he goes, no disregard. Like, look, oh my God, he just drove right over those people. Every time I see it, it makes me sick to watch because it could have been so much worse. He didn't even stop. He drove over people and then just drove away. Um, this was an act of political terrorism. This guy's a far left-wing Antifa activist. I think he's got a history of doing creepy things with younger girls. Um, he's a musician, as these weirdos tend to be. 
And so, um, anyways, some strange things in his history with the young women who would sort of gather around him in the course of his musical career. But um, anyways, his music lyrics revolve around um, anarchy. He's uh, an anti-racism activist, again, as these people tend to be. And he drove right into the crowd. He, like, like, look at this. This guy could have been shoved under the wheels of the other vehicle yep. there. Like, that's terrible. They, Horrible. He could have had his head run over. Like, so anyways, this is an act of political terrorism. It was probably the most violent thing that ever came out of the convoy demonstrations. That's for sure. I believe his bank account was not um, frozen. And I think he was out on bail almost immediately. And he has now, I guess, pled guilty to hit and run on COVID-19 protesters. I don't know what his sentence will be, um, but I'm sure it will be almost nothing. And that is the question I had for you, Sheila Gunry. Now that he's pled guilty, um, what will the sentence be? Will he even see, I'm not kidding you, a day behind bars? I think it's going to be some bullshite community service, him uttering a mea culpa, which he doesn't mean... And by the way, with him being such an outrageous leftist, shouldn't he be riding a bicycle or at least a plug-in hybrid Toyota Prius, you would think? Uh, that's a pretty um, heavy fossil fuel burning uh, vehicle. But I guess that's what you want when you're trying to carry out uh, injuries and death to those who you disagree with. And I I would suggest, Sheila, based on that evidence, to me, that it, the charge should be attempted murder. That was a deliberate act. He wasn't, you know, thrown For off sure. the road. He wasn't inebriated. You can't play that card. Uh, that was attempted murder. What else do you expect when you take a Jeep and drive it into a crowd of people? He better do some hard time because if he doesn't, that will just embolden those of that ideology, the Antifa type, the radical transgenders who often self-identify as violent thugs and the cops do nothing, that will just further embolden them that, hey, even if I get caught and charged, I'm not doing any prison time, suckers. Yeah, like the details of this are, are pretty, um, well, they're pretty on the nose, actually. So let's look at um, what became of the people he ran over. Uh, Zegarnak proceeded to ram into four people with all of them sustaining injuries. Mm. One man was sent to the hospital with head and arm injuries while another suffered a bruised jaw and chipped teeth from the encounter. So a head injury, could, again, could have been much worse. This is um, just chef's kiss, top-tier leftism. Yep. After authorities pulled Zegernak over, he allegedly became combative and accused the officers of being racist. <laughs> Police were, this is the part that brings me a little joy, knowing that he got tasered. Police were forced to use an electric shock device a number of times in order to get him out of the vehicle. Wow. This guy felt that he was justified in running over people, and then he thought that if he screamed loudly enough at the police that they were racist, that they would let him go. And he plays the race card, right? Yeah, I, and I'm not sure. I think he might be Indigenous or part Indigenous. Anyways, so he probably ran over. I mean, it's Winnipeg. He probably I, ran over people of indigenous descent, by the way. It's Winnipeg. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't care if, he, if he's part Martian, uh, Sheila. Uh, the law is the law, and it should be colorblind. You don't, 
You don't get to run over people. Exactly. I don't care what your ancestry is. You just don't get to run over people. But I, it's a bit much for someone who drove into a crowd of protesters in Winnipeg to claim that the police are being racist because they arrested him when you probably ran over somebody of indigenous descent. But anyways, according to the Winnipeg Free Press, the Crown prosecutor is seeking an 18-month jail term while his defense attorney is recommending he be allowed to serve a conditional sentence in the community. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, well, Sheila, we should get to our, our last ad break of the segment and yep. then get back to the growing litany of critics of uh, Pierre Polyev. That would be NDP members of parliament. That would be a certain Toronto star columnist. I'm not sure if it's a she or a he, but anyways, we'll get back to why, once again, uh, those on the left are telling conservatives what to do in terms of how to run their <laughs> policies, who their leader should be. Uh, you know, the people that want the conservatives to fail. And believe it or not, folks, yes, there's conservatives out there that are taking the advice earnestly. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. We'll be right back. Living with spike protein in a post-pandemic world is something we all have to grapple with, whether you've had the virus, you've been vaccinated yourself, or if you're around those who were. The wellness company's spike support formula is a daily supplement that can help you feel your best and then stay that way. Go to twccanada.health to get back to that pre-pandemic feeling with spike support. Use coupon code REVEL to save 10% off these doctor-formulated products, which are rooted in science. And for a limited time, your first First month's membership is only 99 cents. That's twccanada.health, coupon code REBEL at checkout. It's time to put your wellness back in the driver's seat. <clears throat> yeah, so we have uh, a couple of stories that we haven't listed. One of the one is Chantelle Hebert of the Toronto Star. Evidently, when she pens a Saturday Star column, about uh, what the Conservatives are doing wrong, such as having Pierre Polyev as a leader. Uh, oh, my, uh, we, we must do something about this. And also I see, well, there's a video of um, a uh, NDP MP uh, whining about Pierre Polyev. First of all, why don't we just play that video and see what's being said, and then we'll try to make sense of this on the other side, Sheila. Welcome to Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, the Ottawa edition. And on this episode, we're visiting Rockcliffe. This is one of the most exclusive neighborhoods in the country. This is where the old money, the big money, and where Pierre. Oh, dang it. Oh, we got a. Polyev happened. Now, Mr. Polyev already has a house in Ottawa, but by moving into Rockcliffe, he gets a 19 room mansion servants, a personal chef, and $170,000 a year in upkeep for the joint. Talk about gatekeepers. This guy's got groundskeepers. Now, personally, I don't have a problem with an official residence for the leader of the opposition, but I do have a problem with Pierre Polyev telling senior citizens that they don't deserve to have access to free public dental care while he's being served Egg Benedict from his own personal chef in his own mansion paid for by the taxpayer, Pierre enough with the champagne and caviar dreams please wow it just really shows sheila how, was how that? all in the ndp is uh in propping up the blackface regime doesn't it because how many more millions is justin trudeau worth today than he was when first elected in 2015 i would argue it's in the tens of millions um how much in taxpayer dollars, Sheila? You'll know this more than anyone. 
has this guy squandered in flying around the world um, in terms of uh, air travel, hotel accommodation, um, food and beverage? Uh, gosh, uh, to think once upon a time the biggest scandal in Canada under the Harper regime was poor Bev Oda's $16 glass of orange juice. <laughs> she's nothing. She's she's a ham and egg, egger compared to that. So why, oh, why would they go after Pierre Polyev? Uh, he, what he is worth is chump change, given what Trudeau has grifted out of the public in these last eight years. Try to explain this to me, Sheila. Yeah, give me a break, NDP. <laughs> Am I to really believe that their leader wouldn't move into the official opposition <laughs> leader's residence if he were actually um, not just the leader of the Socialist Caucus of the Liberal Party of Canada? Like, do, they want me to believe that Mr. Rolex, Jagmeet Singh, wouldn't be on the first Uber ride over to Rockcliffe if it were his. <laughs> like, if he, if, like, give me a break. But where are they on all the, like, we want to talk about the residences of the party leaders? Great. Love to. This is one of my favorite things to do because I'm constantly pulling the expenses for this stuff. Justin Trudeau said last week that he only charged the taxpayer $75,000 for all of his vacations cumulatively. Yeah. Since 2015, we know the RCMP spent well over $220,000 just on the billionaire island trip. Yeah, that doesn't even count like doesn't count domestic trips. None of that stuff. He spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in um, in flight hospitality just for food on his junkets. The uh, Harrington Lake. That's the summer cottage of the prime minister where his estranged wife tends to stay with his mother-in-law. Um, anyways, they built a backup cottage for him there. So Harrington Lake, then they build a backup cottage for him that costs, I think, $2.5 million. No matter whether or not somebody is staying at Harrington Lake, it costs two or sorry $20,000 a month to upkeep. That doesn't even take into account Rideau Cottage, which seems to be his main residence these days when the wife is over at the other place. Um, I went through the expenses one time about all the upgrades to Harrington Lake since Prime Minister Justin Trudeau took it. Not only just the backup cottage, like an entire backup cottage. When we say cottage, they mean something much larger than my house or your house, David. They built him a bee farm. They built him in yeah. a garden, uh, a skating rink, a surf, uh, like an ice surface there. Um, they also maintain um, skiing trails, like cross-country skiing trails. Whether or not somebody uses them, and I don't think they probably do get used, but they're constantly maintained in case the Trudeau family says, we want to go to the lake house on short notice. Everything is always maintained. So they not only do they have to build a bee farm, they had to build like get a bee farmer <laughs> to, to come just work there for their stupid bees. Um, and I shouldn't say stupid bees. I'm not against bees, but I'm against taxpayer bees. Um, so where where is the NDP criticism of all of that yeah. stuff? They're just upset that Pierre Polyev is the leader of the official opposition and thus living in the official residence of the leader of the official opposition. And Sheila, I must correct you on one thing. Uh, you mentioned if Jagmeet Singh became the leader of the opposition. Um, that's not political science, by the way, folks. That's um, in the realm of science fiction. 
Um, anyway, oh, sure. if he became the leader, you said he'd whip over to the official residence of the opposition in an Uber ride. Sheila, come on. Uber Black or Uber Select. You don't think Jugmeet Singh's going to have no. a regular Schlepper Uber ride in a Toyota Corolla. He's going to go with, um, you know, something considerably more upmarket. I but believe... I believe his personal whip is a BMW. But yeah, like back on the Harrington Lake thing, the his re the residence there I think is upwards of ten million dollars in upgrades yeah. since Trudeau took power, and we're the NDP just don't seem to care about that. But Sheila, in the big picture, here is what disturbs me and upsets me, and actually makes me sad, is that Charlie Angus has given more grist to the mill that the NDP right now under Jagmeet Singh is almost an irrelevant party. And that's a bad thing. Not because, folks, I'm an NDP supporter. Oh, no, 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 never. Not even when I was younger and dumber. No, it's bad for the Conservatives because you want a strong NDP party to chip away at liberal seats. You know, you want two strong left parties. You want that vote splitting to go there so that the Conservatives can go up the middle, which has happened before in Canadian history. I predict, Sheila, this NDP party is going to be decimated in the next election whenever it's held. But Charlie Angus, can't you tell? He's very blue-collared. Can't you tell by his jean jacket? Um, his Levi's jean jacket there, which I think runs upwards of 100 bucks for a men's one. Um, he's very blue-collar, even though yeah. he was first elected almost 20 years ago to the House of Commons. So he's been on the taxpayer dime for a long time himself. He's not the best guy to trot out for this stuff, no matter what sort of costume they put him in. Well, yeah, I know that jean jacket kind of thought I was watching a Charles Bronson movie from the early 70s, <laughs> but <laughs> what what do I know about fashion? Trudeau plays the same my game. Culture, <laughs> my culture is not Charlie Angus's costume. I don't care for that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sheila, I see we're five minutes to go before the hour. Do we have some super chats, my friend? You know, that's a great question. We All just right. have one. <laughs> um, we just have one. Uh, we've got one from Enmark. So it's Kane Enmark, uh, five bucks. What's an ankle? What is a woman? LOL. Um, <laughs> by the way, can we, can we take a look and see what the view count was on what is a woman over the weekend? Last time I checked was last night. I think it was at 186 million views. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Do, do we have that number, Efron? Can we take a poke at that or Olivia, maybe? Um, yeah. So it, after being excessively metered, I think, for about the first uh, 24 hours, um, thanks to uh, the deep state inside of Twitter, um, who the woman who unceremoniously left. So what are they at now? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Don't let the door hit your rump million. on the way out. That was beautiful. Sorry, I overestimated. I think it would, maybe I was at 168 instead of 186. Um, it's at 173.3 million views. I wonder if that's the most viewed thing that's ever happened to Twitter. Have you had a chance to see it yet, Sheila? I'm a Daily Wire subscriber, so I saw it when it first came out. Oh, and, um, and give us yes. a, um, a two-minute critique, please. Um, and I'm a big Matt Walsh fan, so I'm a big fan of all the things that Matt Walsh does because he's a 
prickly deadpan Catholic, like sometimes I am. Um, but I thought it was great. And the part that really is, uh, that I admire journalistically is, all he did was ask these people questions. The questions are not leading. The questions are not um, trick questions, none of that stuff. He just got them talking and they talked and they made themselves look bad. And so that's their biggest criticism of all of this is that he tricked us into telling, uh, he tricked us into saying exactly what we believe and what we do. Mm. And so they're very upset about that. And um, it, like, And it's so crazy that even some on the left I've seen have said, well, these people must have been paid by the Daily Wire, even though he interviewed prominent people who've been outspoken on this issue for years, like for the better part of a decade, you know, like that's how he found them. He's like, that's the transition lady. That's the therapist lady. That's the this person. That's the doctor lady. And so um, he just went out, sought them out and talked to them. And they were talking. And that's that's the problem is th they told the truth and I think that that's not something they wanted us all to hear was the actual truth of what they're doing. You know, it's just shocking, Sheila. Uh, you've really triggered me there with that um, statement. Oh, he must have paid these people. It's the same what we get whenever we go into some left-wing demonstration. Maybe it's pro-abortion or, or climate change or you name it. And we run into people, the ones that will talk to us without getting violent, that is, and they say the most stupid, inane things possible. And we'll get, you know, emails or texts at, along the lines of, oh, Toronto's a very sophisticated city. There's no way there's people that stupid uh, at these demonstrations. Rebel went out and paid actors. No, we don't. Why would we believe <laughs> it's like yeah. it's it's free for the taking and heaping helpings. So um, and we wouldn't do that anyways. It would be unethical. So I'm um, out there, David, I'm out there most of the time working by myself. I wouldn't pay an actor. I would pay a cameraman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> However, to make my life a little easier. Yeah. But yeah, they, they just can't believe how stupid their own side is. And I think the biggest. <laughs> The most revealing question that I always tell the journalists is, what are you doing here? Or why are you here? And if you go to a conservative protest, they know the issue. Like, they know yeah. why they're there, why they have to protest, what the risks of protesting are. They know if they're protesting a piece of legislation, they know all the ins and outs and the ramifications and the perceived consequences and why they must stop it. And they will tell you, and they're really happy for the opportunity to tell you. They usually don't run away from a camera because they want the world to know why they're there. That's why you go to a protest, by the way, to show your dissent in a public space. But if you go to a left-wing protest, if you ask them why they're there, a lot of times they don't know yep. or they say things that aren't true or they're like, because that person told me to and then they gave me this sign <laughs> or they don't want to talk to you at all because they don't know why they're there. You, you said something I must address, Sheila, and it's happened more than once. I swear mm -hmm. I'll go up to somebody at a demonstration and I'll say, Sir, I see your sign says such and such. What do you mean by that? And they go, oh, I don't know. Somebody came along. They just gave me this sign. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, it's yeah. that's happened more than once. Like, you're holding a placard and you don't even know what you're 
in support of or what you're demonizing or, or whatever the case is. And Sheila, it's shocking. I mean, who are these people? I know. And I, I think the only book they ever read is The Handmaid's Tale. It used to be <laughs> Harry Potter. But then they were like, they convinced themselves in their mind that J.K. Rowling is a transphobe. So now she's mean and they can't read her books. Yeah. So they've moved on from Henry Potter, Harry Potter. I don't know. I didn't read it. Um, and now they've gone on to uh, The Handmaid's Tale, which I don't think they read the book. I think they're just watching the show because if they had read the book, they would know it's based on the Iranian Revolution. So um, I don't know. Yeah. I, they got to get new books on that side. Get a new it book, guys. Yeah, talk about cultural appropriation for the wrong cause. But Sheila, I see we're anyway. just past the hour, 2 o'clock yes. Eastern Standard Time, so we must uh, say farewell. So thank you again to uh, Olivia and Efren, our super producers. Thank you to everybody that tuned in and the person that was so kind to give us a donation. Much appreciated. And thank you to my beloved co-host, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Of course, I believe it is Tamara Ugolini in person, she's getting out of uh, Cinderfeller uh, Coburg and coming down to Toronto <laughs> to do the live stream tomorrow, and I welcome that. And in the meantime, folks, as always, stay safe and stay sane. The Prime Minister in the House of Commons, where you reference his departure from a private school he used to teach at. As you may know, there was lots of uh, rumors about his uh, exit, including a what seemed to be a completely defamatory story that has no credibility. Why did you raise that in the House of Commons? Well, it is, it is just a fact. And with this Prime Minister has a track record of not uh, completing what he starts and bragging about what he hasn't done. And that has uh, spilled over into his policy positions, whether it's his promises to complete, for example, a trans-mountain pipeline gone $27 billion over budget, still not done claiming he's going to have a, an electrification economy, bragging about all these mines that he announces but don't actually get completed, brags about his policy and promises on climate change, but they never actually meet their targets. So with this Prime Minister, there's a lot of bragging about things he plans to do without actually getting them done. You reference that story, though. You reference that particular story. Which is no, I mentioned that the fact, the fact that he did that he, depart. That you said that he departed. Yes. You couldn't remember why. So who, That's right. What, what did you mean by that? Got the, exactly what I said. I you, I, what yeah. did you mean by about, about him, the reason why he left the school? Uh, you have to ask him why he left the school.